Chris Gauza here with Matt Howell. And on this week of The First Run, we catch up with the reunion of Martin McDonough, Colin Farrell, and Brendan Gleeson one more time before they stop talking to each other forever with the Banshees of Anna Sheeran. Then we catch up with beloved weirdo Park Chan-wook's latest mind F, Decision to Leave. We run down the upcoming releases on physical media, give you our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week, and wrap up the show with another entry of our betting game with no follow-through, What Are the Odds? So let's get into it with Banshees of Inishirin. Now I'm sitting here next to you, and if you're going back inside, I'm following you inside, and if you're going home, I'm following you there too. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. And if I said something to you, maybe I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it. But I don't think I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it. But if I did, then tell me what it was. And I'll say sorry for that too, Colin. With all my heart, I'll say sorry. Just stop running away from me like some fool of a moody schoolchild. But you didn't say anything to me. And you didn't do anything to me. Well, that's what I was thinking, like. I just don't like you no more. You do like me. I don't. You liked me yesterday. Oh, did I? Yeah. I thought you did. I swear this is like the fever dream I have. That I'm going to wake up one day and then Matt's going to be like, you know what? <laughs> I just, I, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> Matt, so as you said, Gleason Farrell reunite with McDonough, who did the excellent in Bruges. I remember clearly, Matt, seeing this film. I was in New Haven. I was in Connecticut and at the Criterion Cinema. And I said, ah, oh, what's this movie? But I got some time to kill. Let me check it out. And I loved it. Mm. A, a very dark comedy, but really great performances. Whip smart, devious, a little zany at times, but a, a fascinating experience. So they're back together again for the Banshees of, how do you say that? I thought it was in Sheeran, but you're really Gaelicking it up. I was saying in a Sheeran, but I mean, as you can see, as we'll maybe get into, Brennan Gleason's character's name is Colm, but they it almost sounds like Colin the way they're saying it, so I, I don't really know what's even correct. That's fair. So what is the Banshees? And you know what's funny? When I said the Banshees of Inchiri, you know why? Because when I spelt it out, I left the I out oh, in there my you go. title. There That's you go. been my problem. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this? nasty delightful strange what is this film all about man all right so colm and padraig are two best friends colm is a fiddle player and padraig is a rather dull you know just guy about town who's a drinking buddy colm as you heard in the clip just up and decides one day you know what you bore me i don't want to be your friend anymore and this sends padraig for a loop and things quickly start to escalate in a series of dark, absurd events until it all comes to a head. So you're a fan of In Bruges as well. Mm -hmm. Am I remembering that correctly? You are remembering that correctly, yes. And then, of course, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri ended up winning Best Picture that year, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a uh, McDonough film. Actually, that was the last film he made, now that I think about it. Really? Now, I enjoy that film, but it's gotten a lot of pushback. In the last few years as well. Some yeah. people say it's really not good at all. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with it, though, yet. I have not revisited it since I saw it in the theaters. So w what are your thoughts on 
the Banshees of Inisherin. Is it a return to form that will recapture that in Bruges magic? Does McDonough have another Best Picture nominee potentially on his hands? Did you enjoy the film, really, at its core? Did you enjoy it? What are your thoughts? Man, that's a lot of questions, Chris. That is a lot to unpack for one little uh, co-host on a podcast show. Take your time. Uh, thank you. The floor is yours. Thank you. I appreciate that. So first off, I'll start with the fact that, yes, I did enjoy this film quite a bit. And yes, with especially with a 10-film slate potentially, I could see this getting a, I would say, well-deserved nod. Now, obviously, we're in the height of award season now. There's still plenty of mm-hmm. things to check out. I can't say if it's going to win, but I quite enjoyed it, and I thought it was quite good. Now, I will say this. I'm not oh. sure this is everybody's cup of tea. This is can be like a very black comedy. It can be very uncomfortable at times. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when I was kind of doing research for this, I think um, the critic from the Washington post and Hornaday said it best. McDonough is a master world builder. Whether you want to live in those worlds for two hours is of your life is purely a matter of individual taste. And I think that is a perfect encapsulation yeah. of this, of these movies. I think it really isn't a return or at least close. I don't know if it reaches the heights of in Bruges for me. Um, but I did enjoy it. I think I enjoyed it much more than I enjoyed Three Billboards. But I, again, I don't think this is a broad appeal film. I think this is definitely awards film, award season bait. I think it's, you know, something that if you're into film, if you're listening to this show, uh, Sean, uh, you should, you know, obviously, <laughs> you should obviously go check this out. But I mean, I don't know if, you know, your kind of uh, sees three movies a year mom is really going to enjoy this, you know? I think that's fair. I, I I think you might be right about that. I don't know if it captures the almost consistent absurdity that Bruges has, right? That makes it so enjoyable. But that's not what this film is doing, or that's not what this film is about in any capacity. So I think it's one of the funnier films, also one of the sadder films, and I'll say scary films <laughs> I've seen uh, this year. And it is... A really oddly, I think the big key here is I think McDonough is able to balance the tones in this film. These shifts are incredible, and I think he handles it perfectly. I mean, I think one of the greatest scenes I've seen in cinema this year is when Patrick is is advised by Colm that that's it. You know, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I need to move on with my life. There's things I want to do, and the clock's ticking, and he rips that page off the calendar and sees what day it is. Mm. And he's relieved and he laughs because, oh, it's April Fool's. That's what's going on. Okay. Right. But you and I know as the audience member, that's not the case. Right. And it is at the same time hilarious and deeply saddening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is because you know what's going to happen. But it really takes some shocking turns. And I, I, I keep going back with back and forth with what I'm trying to figure out what I'm more enamored with. Is it the performance of our three leads? And I'm saying three. Mm-hmm. I granted it's Gleason and Farrell, but Carrie Condon, who plays his sister as well, who's going through her own journey in this film as like the one lone voice of reason. Also though, desperately trying to figure out a way to get out of this remote Island village mm-hmm. to get to the mainland is going through some stuff, as the kids say. And uh, really, I'm not sure what it is, because I think it's perfectly crafted. 
and then built though around these three performances. Then Barry Keogh shows up as well, who delivers some fascinating work because he brings like an added dimension of a further dimension of humor and sadness. Mm-hmm. And there's a dark turn that his character takes mm-hmm. that is just it's really, yeah. I mean, it's but three, if not four, of the most earnest, heartfelt performances I've seen this year. I really feel like Farrell and Gleason should be like obligated by like law to work <laughs> together for the rest of their days. <laughs> there's the two of them together. There's a magic there mm-hmm. between them, and it is fascinating. To watch, like I said, I really feel Matt could pull a Colm on me at any point. You know, the downhill of his life, things going by faster and faster. It makes sense that you'd want to maximize your time, right? You right. know, and not wanting to spend it talking to a dullard such as myself. I could see where that you'd be like, <laughs> I don't There's know, only so many, so many Dungeons and Dragons games I can play yet. Do I really want to dedicate this much time to this show? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't be considerate. I have a kid, I, I wouldn't consider it. Uh, not wanting to talk to a dullard because I quite enjoy your company, Chris. What the real danger would be is, do I want to go see two movies a week for the rest of my life? Is, is really what it's is really what it's coming down to. That's what that's the thing we have to worry about. Fair. I think uh, sitting this as well during the Irish Civil War was another inspired decision by mm-hmm. McDonough because you have this parallel internal fighting within the country at that point, which of course is reflected between the two escalating efforts and actions between these two. And I think Farrell's turn at the end when he finally, I don't know a better way to say this, when he kind of snaps finally, comes mm-hmm. into his own power, I guess for lack of a better term, it gets even darker. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully there is the release valve um, a little bit at the end there. Overall, I think it really a, a really interesting experience. One of the more fascinating and engaging films i've seen this year but it's, it's like matt said it's going to make you feel weird at times uh and it's going to introduce some feelings that you're not going to be entirely comfortable with at moments but it is one of the more fascinating and engaging films i've seen this year yeah i mean it's it's incredibly well acted it's well written it's well directed and shot i mean it's as far as a piece of craft it's excellent i guess really it's just what is your uh, kind of threshold for being for things that are uncomfortable, things that are going to make you feel sad and black comedy. And like I said, if that's not for you, that's okay. But, you know, at least for the very least, I can say as a piece of filmmaking and as a creation, it is excellent. Yeah. And I think, I wonder if this may have impacted me too in a deeper level, because I feel like in my personal life that I'm constantly at the moment, everything's just, there's so much going on that I can't really grab a hold of anything. Right. And it's, I don't know, like like so much has just been out of my reach this year. And I I feel like things are just getting worse. Mm. (laughs) I just, I think that may be part of why I identified with this experience so much, which is sad and terrifying for me all at the same time. (laughs) Matt, uh, I'm going to give the Banshees of Sharon an A. Are you? In a Sharon. Yeah, I may end up changing this later, but I think I'm going to go a minus just for the difficulty of the material. Um, Mm. I think you have to be in a right frame of mind to watch this. So I don't think this is a film that I can recommend without reservation at all. No, absolutely not. But this is the kind of movie that I just want to wrap myself up in and just watch and study and spend time with and just feel horrible (laughs) every now and then. So that's kind of how I roll. The Banshees of Inisherin and Matt is currently playing in movie theaters pretty much everywhere. If you had a chance to see it, shoot us an email at feedback 
at thefirstrun.com. I don't think we're going to have that many double features. This is We tend to get double feature heavy yeah, at this time, time of, of the year. Yeah. I know next week is another double feature, but I think after that, we don't have that many. Most of the second. It? I think I think you may want to check that. I may have switched some things up on us there. Uh, okay. I checked a few hours ago, but so, yeah, I think we do have Yeah, to no. Go. Next week is going to – I'm not doing that to you. In fact, we're not doing that until December. Okay. Uh, end of November, December, which we'll have the holidays and stuff to kind of squeeze some stuff in. But yeah, no, you're good. You're a, you're good, buddy. I'm not going to hurt you too much there. <laughs> in the meantime, let's go ahead and uh, keep moving, Matt. Let's talk about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, November 15th. Matt, this is a 4K release, and you can actually get it for a reasonable price as a pre-order. And Best Buy has a pretty sharp-looking steelbook. But I, I don't know. I feel like I need to wait for the review because I don't know how the transfer is going to shake out. I don't know why. I just have this weird feeling about it. But I'm sure maybe at some point I'll be upgrading. I've only, I don't have this on. Oh no, wait! I do have it on Blu-ray. That's right. <laughs> this is another one, Matt. I had on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and uh, now maybe 4K. What happens if the manager won't give you the diamonds? When you're dealing with a store like this, they're insured up the ass. They're not supposed to give you any resistance whatsoever. If you get a customer or an employee who thinks he's Charles Bronson, take the butt of your gun and smash their nose in. Drops him right to the floor. Everyone jumps. He falls down screaming, blood squirts out of his nose. Freaks everybody out. Nobody says fucking shit after that. You might get some bitch talk shit to you. But give her a look like you're going to smash her in the face next. Watch her shut the fuck up. (laughs) Now, if it's a manager, that's a different story. The managers know better than to fuck around. So if you get one that's giving you a static, he probably thinks he's a real cowboy, so you gotta break that son of a bitch in two. If you wanna know something he won't tell you, cut off one of his fingers, the little one. Then tell him his thumb's next. After that, I'll tell you if he wears ladies' underwear. I'm hungry, let's get a taco. Quentin Tarantino's debut feature, Matt Reservoir Dogs, is getting released in 4K. There's a steel book from Best Buy. I'm not a big steel book guy, but first, that limey steel book is, mm-hmm. it looks great. Yeah. And this Reservoir Dogs one is good too, where it basically has a slip case on it with the uh, cop's ear, and you take it off and oh. it hits him without the ear. Nice. So, nice. Good times. So, yeah. Would you uh, upgrade to 4K? What's your status on physical media yeah, on Reservoir Dogs? So, on Reservoir Dogs, I only have it on DVD, so I definitely would update it to uh, 4K. There you go. I think you can get it on pre-order on Amazon right now for like sixteen bucks, oh, which is sixteen, seventeen dollars. The Steelbook is twenty-one at Best Buy. Okay, so you can pick that one up. Also coming out, Matt, one of my favorite films of the year, Neon Pictures is uh, Moon Age Daydream. The David mm. Bowie documentary is being released. No special features I can find anywhere, and only the UK Blu-ray has a Dolby Atmos mix, which I'm a little disappointed with. But uh, I already pre-ordered it. Surprise, surprise. And uh, just for your neon heads out there, I know everybody is all cool about A24. They seem to be the cool thing. I am all in on neon the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And last year, they put out a yearbook, which is available only on their site, of some exclusive Blu-rays only you can get through buying this. This basically, it's like a it's a release of all the stuff they put out okay. in 2021. One of them is the... Um, movie that uh uh you saw it as at one of the uh 
at Sundance, I think. The um the guy who did the was it the kill list? About the underground thing? Oh, I'm really blanking on it. Anyway, there's a couple films that are only available through that set. Okay. And it's not crazy expensive. I would buy it, but I own like three or four of the films in that set already on Blu-ray. One of them, of course, being Nicolas Cage, you know, in Pig. Yeah, yeah, One of yeah. my favorite films from last year. So I'm desperately hoping they put out another box set this year. Uh, uh, what is it? Titan is in that set. Mm-hmm. Really, they've been putting out some fantastic stuff. So keep your eye out for that early next year, I'd imagine. Another film that we enjoyed parts of, for the most part, is uh, George Miller's 3,000 Years of Longing. Is with Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton mm. is getting its physical media release about she plays a what a, a what is she she's some kind of scholar about what stories basically right, right? yeah and she buys a lamp which uh, contains a gin in it and releases him and then uh, grants her three wishes kind of and they fall in love maybe sort of stuff so really. Incredible visuals yeah. in that film, but a relationship that didn't quite work for me and an ending that didn't quite pan out either. Correct. But at least worth a rental, I would say, at the very least. Yeah. And, you know, what's showing up again, maybe it was delayed a week. I think we talked about it last week, but Ty West follow-up to X, Pearl, mm-hmm. is being released on Blu-ray. So I guess that just got pushed back a week. Uh, I did pick up X because uh, there was a pre-Black Friday sale on Best Buy and Amazon. Yeah. Amazon was like reflecting their prices. So I think I got it for like $7. So I'm, nice. Ray. So nice. I'm like, at that point, all right. Same thing, Alex Garland's Men. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll pay that much for that. That's yeah. fine. I picked up some other 4Ks too. One of them might being, uh, I bought the new Matrix. Okay. I didn't have that. The new okay. one that was on 4K for 10 bucks. Yeah. And uh, some other stuff I grabbed. I know I... I pinged you about a couple of them you did and by the time i got around to it they were basically like lightning deals they were long gone and all the all that was left was nothing that was that exciting i i'm so sorry man i feel horrible for you about that i know it must be during this trying time things uh must be difficult (laughs) jurassic park for 10 bucks Hmm. poltergeist lost boys 10 bucks 10 bucks interstellar 4k transfer that was like seven eight dollars that's good I read I read a couple of reviews because I wrote it on Blu-ray and I said, well, it better be a better transfer. Yeah. And everything I've read is the 4K transfer is like miles ahead of okay. the Blu-ray release. So that's good. It's Jurassic Park. And then uh, I finally bought Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I did not own that in any oh, capacity. Nice. That's $10 on for 4K was. And Dirty Dancing. I've uh, never owned boo. that in physical media. I thought, you know what? Boo. I like that movie. <laughs> Can't go wrong. <laughs> Both Sides of the Blade, the latest film by Claire Denis, is coming out, featuring Juliette Binoche and Vincent London. Uh, speaking at the time, it's about a love triangle story about a woman caught between two men, her longtime partner, and her best friend, her former lover. Jerry and Marge go large. Based on a true story about a couple, Jerry and Marge Selby, who won the lottery and used the money to revive their small town. Listen to this cast. Brian Cranston, Annette Benning, Rain Wilson, Larry Wilmore, and Michael McKeon. Mm. That's uh, some solid stuff there. Yeah. Lionsgate is putting out The Inhabitant, featuring Odessa Ezion, also featuring Leslie Bibb and Dermot Mulroney. It's about a series of supernatural events to reveal a dark truth behind a tormented teenager. RLJ Entertainment is putting out Section 8, featuring Ryan Quinton. I don't know who Ryan Quinton is, but I do know who Dolph Rundgren, Dermot Mulroney again, Scott Atkins, and Mickey Rourke are. After avenging the murder of his family, a former soldier is sprung from prison and recruited by a shadowy government agency. Ah, oh, that sounds like some classic B dadtainment right there. <laughs> What's coming? Gigi and Nate 
It's about a young woman's life turning upside down after he is left a quadriplegic. Moving forward seems near impossible until he meets his unlikely service animal, Gigi, a curious and intelligent capuchin, capuchin monkey. That's how you say it, right? Capuchin? I, 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 capuchin? I have no idea. Capuchin. Did you watch Why the Last Man? I did not see it. And they canceled that son of a bitch on me after one Yeah, uh, I watched, uh, I think, the first episode. It was The first episode was interesting, but I heard it wasn't good. And like I just never really followed through on it. I'll, I'll get to it one of these days. Yeah, yeah. Shutter's putting out Allegoria. A group of artists' lives become unwittingly entangled as their obsessions and insecurities manifest monsters, demons, and death. Interviews with the cast and more. There is also Hansan, Rising Dragon. In 1592, Admiral Yi Sing Soon and his fleet face off against the might of the invading Japanese Navy and its formidable warships. As the Korean forces fall into crisis, Matt, the Admiral resorts to using his secret weapon, the dragon head ship known as Geo Bukasong, in order to change the tide of the epic battle at sea. New to Blu-ray? Criterion? Oh, boy. <laughs> If you don't know, the Criterion Barnes & Noble sale, Matt, is happening right now. Oh, boy. And here's one I am picking up next week. The Infernal Affairs Trilogy, 4K Restorations, is being put out by Criterion. If you have not seen these films, could the alternate ending for Infernal Affairs, new interviews, archival interviews, making of programs, deleted scenes, outtakes, and more. This Infernal Affairs, now I will admit, I think I've only seen the first two but the first one is what The Departed, Scorsese's film, mm-hmm. is based on. It's basically mm-hmm. a remake of Infernal Affairs. Yeah. So uh, you have to see these films. They are fantastic, and I can't wait to pick this up. Shout Factory is putting out the Shunny Chiba collection, featuring Son of Sunny's work. Uh, we have Yakuza Wolf, I Perform Murder, Yakuza Wolf 2, Extend My Condolences, Bodyguard Kiba, Bodyguard Kiba 2, Shogun Shadow, Samurai Reincarnation, and Swords of Vengeance. And uh, the only real special feature is outside of the new transfers is Swords of Vengeance. It has an interview with Chiba. That's, that's about it. Grindhouse Releasing is putting out Death Game, also known as The Seducers, and contains a uh, short film or another film called The Little Miss Innocence. A businessman whose family is away on his birthday picks up two young girls. He takes them to his house where they seduce him. Afterwards, however, they tie him up, torture him, trash his house, and then kill a delivery boy. Wait, is this like the original version of that... Uh, Eli Roth movie with Keanu Reeves and Ana de Armas. Uh, I've never seen knock, it, but knock. it sounds pretty similar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brand new 4K restoration of the film from the original camera negative. Prerogative in-depth interviews with cult movie legend Colleen Camp and the director, Peter Trainer. Oh, conducted by Eli Roth. Mm. So there you go. There you go. I'm imagining so. Kino Orber's putting out The Diamond Wizard featuring Dennis O'Keefe and Margaret Sheridan, a brand new 2K restoration of that one by the 3D Archive, a new audio commentary as well. Kino's also putting out the Henry Silva-led classic, air quotes, Assassination. It's a brand new 4K restoration. And Charles Bronson stars in the Veloci Papers from Kino. Matt, some other 4K releases this week. Wayne's World is getting a Steelbook release. We talked about Reservoir Dogs. The um, I think it's Kurt Russell film. Is Robin Williams in that? Used Cars. And the Elvis film, Blue Hawaii, all being put out in 4K. Matt, your straight-to-DVD pick of the week. I may actually want to see this because it features kind of one of my favorite actors, Jeffrey Donovan. R.I.P.D. 2, Rise of the Damned. Now, I'll admit, I have not seen R.I.P.D. 1. Right. Which is the one with with, uh, Ryan Reynolds and... um, Jeff Jeff, Bridges. Jeff Bridges, yeah. 
It's based on a graphic novel too, I believe, right? Right. Set in the American West of 1876, R.I.P.D. 2 Rise of the Damned is a spiritual sequel to the 2013 R.I.P.D. Sheriff Roy Pulsifer isn't too thrilled about finding himself dead after a shootout with a notorious outlaw gang, but he doesn't get a excuse me, but he does get a second chance to return to Earth after being recruited by the R.I.P.D. The Rest in Peace Department. But avenging his own murder may have to take a back seat to saving the world when a gateway of hell is opened in the old mining town of Red Creek, threatening not only the locals, but all of humanity itself. Those are some stakes. There are. What should we be streaming this week, Matt? On Freebie, what used to be called IMDTV, I am going to recommend something because, you know what? You don't need a subscription. Anybody can watch these. I think there may be some commercials at the beginning, but hey, it's a small price to pay to go out and see... Two fantastic Russian sci-fi films that we reviewed. Uh, was it last year when we did the the foreign sci-fi? I think so. Okay. Who knows? Well, uh, the original Time Solaris and uh, Stalker are both available for your viewing Ooh. pleasure on Freebie. So you don't need a subscription. It's completely free. You have to watch some a few commercials, but then after that, you get to watch some uh, sci-fi goodness um, from our. I hesitate to say friends, but, uh, you know, in the, the frozen tundras of where Siberia and shit. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I think I was scrolling through the TV the other night, and I think it was, may have been TCM, was running Stalker. Mm. And I put it on for a little bit, but I'm like, well, I got dishes to do. I can't watch Stalker <laughs> and do dishes. That's not something that really works. Man, I remember loving that film, though. That was a, it's a good one. weird, bizarre, fascinating movie. I, remember, I bought it on Blu-ray, I think, like, shortly later so yeah good stuff all right matt i guess that's that let's keep rolling it's been a few minutes talking about my boy park chan wook's newest newest film that is nudist Nudist film film. well with him that's i you know it's probably even money that's what his next film is going to be about could very well be (laughs) but let's watch park chan wook via i guess a roundabout sort of kind of doing his own hitchcock movie with decision to leave So, Matt, we have now decision to leave. I got to tell you, when this week was coming up on the calendar, I cannot tell you how excited I was. I felt like, well, I'm probably going to see two of the best films of the year, mm-hmm. right? So I love McDonough's work. I love Park Chan-wook. I mean, listen to this list, man. Handmaiden, which came out, what, 2016? I think it's on Prime. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, twisty, turny, thrills, love story. I loved The Handmaiden. Snowpiercer is a solid movie. Yep. I uh, rather enjoy it. But, um, wait, did he direct that? No, Bong Joon-ho directed it. Yeah, I think Bong Joon-ho, yeah. Uh, like, I'm looking at his, I, I'm looking at his uh, Wikipedia thing. That's why I saw Snowpiercer. And I thought, oh, yeah, wait, no, that was Bong Joon-ho. Anyway, uh, but he did direct Stoker, which yeah. I love. If you have not seen Stoker, I'm telling you, folks, check that one out immediately. Thirst, the vampire film. One of the first films we reviewed for this show, actually, was Thirst. Mm-hmm. It was like in the first four episodes or something. So, of course, Old Boy, The Vengeance Trilogy, it's Joint Security Area. Big Park Chan-wook fan around here, Matt. And so now he's doing his kind of 
his version maybe of a Hitchcock film, I think. Like this is this is looks uh vertigo. Mm-hmm. And we have Park Eiley doing his best Scotty. Mm-hmm. Not not Star Trek Scotty. <laughs> Scotty from Vertigo. <laughs> so uh this what happens basically, Matt, we have this this detective who is kind of suffering from insomnia and he catches a case about a guy who's a mountain climber and he has a terrible terrible accident and he dies i guess was that i don't know did i have to spell that out and he meets the guy's widow and she says like weird things like he's dead at last which is a weird thing to say Mm -hmm. right and maybe maybe his death wasn't accidental after all. But he then becomes enamored with her, obsessed with her, falls in love with her, even though he's married. And uh, the mystery and thrills kind of expand from there, Matt. How do you, are you a big Park Chan-wook fan? Are you a big uh, Wookhead like myself? Or, uh, I don't know if I'm a big Wookhead. <laughs> um, I've certainly enjoyed it. Or a, a Wookiee? How about <laughs> that? You are you a Wookiee? A Wookiee? Ah. A Wookie? Uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoy his films. I will watch them as they become available, but I, I will admit that all things being equal, if we weren't doing the show, I wouldn't have like rushed out to go see this. I could have waited till I could have watched it at home kind of thing. I'm disappointed to hear you say that. So I love a couple things here about this film. Okay. First off, we have Park Eiley. Hi, Il. I'm nailing. I'm getting that wrong every time. He plays detective Ya Yun. He becomes enamored with the suspect, right? The widow, played by Tang Wei, which I get. I think if I'm on board with blowing up my life for a possible murderous Tang Wei, mm-hmm. I think there is. She brings this. I don't know how do I describe it. There is a vulnerability to this performance, tempered with this potential sinister side of her right Mm. that is just as engaging and alluring as it is suspicious and terrifying Mm -hmm. and she is like a mystery you're kind of desperate to unravel and i was just in love with her performance and her for throughout this whole film and i'm watching him and i'm like yeah i i i get it hi june i i get why you're basically willing to blow up your life for this woman because She's at once potentially a, a a victim of domestic abuse, mm-hmm. and at the same time has her own machinations in place. as a brilliant woman who's figured out maybe ways to do certain things that may be illegal or may not be illegal. I'm not sure, but I'll say that decision to leave for me was not as sharp, magical, or as mystifying to me as some of his other work. Mm-hmm. Speaking specifically about Stoker, The Handmaid, and Old Boy, which are probably my top three Park Chan-wook films. Mm-hmm. And I think it's still an expertly crafted romantic thriller. I think there are turns and twists, layers upon layers of meaning. Park Chan-wook is all about depth and meaning and vision. Everything, every shot, so perfectly orchestrated. And then the jokes that that there are in here are hilarious. That one scene when the cop is running behind him turns the corner and he's like, "Oh God, no!" And then the camera pans over and reveals a big stairwell, you know, stair thing. And it just I laughed out loud quite a few times. Perfectly executed dissolves, audio editing, fantastic. I just feel maybe the ending lacks the emotional heft. I think that he's going for. Mm-hmm. 
I think I wonder if it's a cultural issue that I may not understand it mm-hmm. as much. I'm not sure. Or it's just a bit of a misstep or it doesn't. I don't know if it works mm. and makes sense to me. Yeah. Logically, given Tangwei's performance in this thing. Yeah. In her character's arc. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm struggling with it. Yeah. I could see where she makes the decision she made because maybe she's not this like Brian the Palma-esque femme fatale. Mm-hmm. She's a woman dealing with the circumstances in her life and this is how she figures out how to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Realizing she can't inevitably be who and where she wants to be. So then what's the point? Or she succumbs to his internal sadness. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I've talked a lot. What are your thoughts on decision to leave? Yeah, so so it's interesting because I'm not super well steeped in Korean cinema, but what I do what I have seen, and this film is no different, is that it has a lot of tonal shifts. These films seem to have, you know, like if you're watching most movies, they kind of keep a consistent tone, right? And whereas Chris kind of alluded to the fact that this film is at turns romantic, it's at turns kind of a crime thriller, at times it's very funny, at times it's, you know, a noir, you know, dripping with a kind of new take on neo-neo-noir kind of thing, right? Mm. And... You know, Parasite is, you know, was a film that had a lot of tonal shifts in it. So I don't know if that's par for the course for Korean cinema. Maybe we should do a marathon next next year, you know, and see if that holds true through other other cinema people, I guess. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. But I think at turns, this thing has some really inventive and creative uh, directing choices. It has some excellent shots that I think are very clever um, with what he tries to do. I think you're right. At turns, it is extremely funny. Um, It is, uh, at turns, very kind of a sweet romance kind of thing. If you don't stop and think about how kind of weird this situation is. At turns, she is basically you know, a kind of interesting take on a film fatale, how the ending kind of established itself. I don't know what to do with that because I almost feel like I don't want to ruin anything, but I, I feel like it was like almost out of nowhere because I felt like she was going to be fine. Like if she had just left everything to go, she would have been fine. Like, I don't understand what she's trying to say. I don't know if it's some kind of critique on the fact that she's Chinese and you know, there, you know, she's in Korea and she's never going to fit in kind of thing. She's always going to be viewed as a foreigner. Right. I don't know. I was Um, focusing so much on the romance angle that I had forgotten and, about that part of it. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know enough about the cultural landscape of Korea to be able to tell you any of those things with any kind of degree of confidence. But these are just guesses on my on my uh, uh, podcast here that I'm doing with my friend Chris. So I overall, I really enjoyed it. I agree with you. I don't think it's his strongest work. I think it has a lot of really interesting things. And I, I can see this being maybe on the you know in the bottom tier of the best films of the year. I think it's it's up there and I think it's probably kind of hanging out towards the the edges of it um periphery but yeah, I think it's it's good. It's not as on par with his best work, but it is still I think one of the better things we've seen this year. I would agree with that. I mean, all I've been thinking about to this whole time. You should have seen me in the theater, Matt. There's that scene where 
the two of them are back on top of that mm-hmm. ledge and she's the way that the light is coming off of her little flashlight head thingamabobber yeah. there and he's just standing there and his eyes closed like willing to accept whatever fate she decides to you know bestow on him I, I, so many little magical little touches like that when i'm in the theater man i'm like oh no oh god no <laughs> I, i'm saying it under my breath oh no oh god no 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 don't 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 you know and it's just I love when I get that sucked into a film. Sure. It's, again, one of the times... It happens... I think I've mentioned this before. It happens probably two, three times a year. Yeah. When I'm in a theater and I feel it again. I feel the magic of why I love to do the show, why I love to go to the movies and watch, just see something in a theater. And it happened again for this. Now, again, I said, I don't know if it's as successful for me as as other films were. I'm going to give it an A-. minus. Yeah. Uh, you're right. I think it's one of the better things we've seen this year, and uh, just a great week. A great week. Got some good stuff this week. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it an A minus as well. I think um, taken in the in the year that it is, um, I think it's definitely up there as far as film top films of the year. I like I said, I think we both said repeatedly, it's not, it's not probably, it's not top tier Wook for me, but I guess. That may be an unfair comparison because he has some stone cold classics out there, and you know not every director is going to create a classic with every outing that he has. So that's fine. But I think you know again, if you're listening to the show and you enjoy cinema, I think you owe it to yourself to go see this. Now, whether I think this is a film for everyone, probably not. But I think it's for more people than Banshees of Inisherin may have been for. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. So if you had a chance to see Decision to Leave, which is currently playing in theaters, and I believe it's going to show up on Mubi. I think yeah. they've bought the rights to it. So it'll show up on a movie and probably in short order. But let us know. It's just an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. You know what I want to watch too? Oh, man, I want to watch The Handmaiden again. I remember being absolutely blown away. But you know what I would love to do too is to revisit the um, the Vengeance trilogy because mm. I have not watched those movies in a very long time. And I, only, I own Old Boy on Blu-ray, but yeah. I only have the other two on DVD. I've never seen, really I've never seen Lady Vengeance. Oh, yeah, that is great. Interesting. All right. Well, like I guess we'll we'll regroup at the end of the year, early next year, to, to plot out our marathons. But I think Korean cinema would be a great way to go because when I think about some of my favorite films in the past 10, 20 years, Korean cinema keeps popping up. Yeah. Keeps popping up. So that sounds good. All right, Matt. Let's go ahead and close things out then, and spend a few minutes doing what are the odds? We haven't done one of these in a while. It's a lot of top fives lately. So. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's uh, jump into this one. We're smuggling her? There's a crew of fireflies that'll meet you at the Capitol building. That's not exactly close. You're capable. You hand her off, come back, the weapons are yours. Double what Robert sold me. Speaking of which, where are they? Back in our camp. (laughs) We're not smuggling shit until I see them. You'll follow me. You can verify the weapons. I can get patched up. But she's not crossing to that part of town. I want Joel to watch over her. Whoa, whoa, I don't Bullshit, think that's the I'm best not him. How do you know them? I was close with his brother, Tommy. Said if I was ever in a jam, I could rely on him. Was that before or after he left your little militia group? He left you too. He was a good man. I could just take her to the North Tunnel and wait for me there. Jesus Christ. Just cargo, Joel. Just cargo, Matt. 
Neil Druckmann and the crew over at Naughty Dog released two, I think, of my favorite video games ever. The reason why I think you should own a PlayStation, and that's uh, The Last of Us, The Last of Us Part 2. Mm-hmm. And there is an HBO series debuting in January. We've seen drips and dribbles of the, of the show. There has been a trailer already. I was reading the other day, some writer or something said that he's, or actor, that so there's an hour of this show. One episode is like one of the greatest things that ever been filmed for television. It's a bold statement. And, uh, yeah, and I'm really excited about this show featuring Pedro Pascal as Joel. Bella Ramsey from uh, Game of Thrones mm-hmm. plays Ellie. Also, Gabriel Luna is in this. Anna Torv, who I love from mm-hmm. uh, the old Fringe days. And then uh, Mindhunter, the TV show on Netflix. Yep. And I'm desperate comes back for a third season at some point. But I have never been this excited for a show, I think, since Better Call Saul. Really? really? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. So, Matt, what are the odds that The Last of Us wins an Emmy for uh, best television and or is the best video game adaption ever? Well, okay, so I'll take your second one first. I would say 80% because the, as far as being the best video game adaption, because that bar is incredibly low. Um, so I think that is an easy hurdle to, to, to cross. Whether it wins an Emmy, I would say for the first season, assuming this thing gets picked up for multiple seasons, if it's, I would say 20%. I think genre film or genre shows are not as stigmatized at the Emmys as they are at like genre films are at the Oscars. But I think you need a lot of kind of uh word of mouth zitgeist kind of uh capture the public's attention to get that kind of thing. And I don't know if we're going to get that right off the bat with, uh, with this i could be wrong but i i I think you're gonna need the kind of buzz of like game of thrones in order to get uh that kind of emmy buzz that may take a a season or two for that to happen i think you're right i don't know if it's gonna happen the first season i would give it like a 10 percent chance of winning one in the first season yeah but maybe season three Mm -hmm. i would ratchet up to maybe 70 percent 80 percent usually season threes tend to be the sweet seasons for shows yeah um, when they've kind of really lined everything up, everybody's kind of kicking on all cylinders. And so cause that first season, you're basically hoping what you're still figuring out the characters and the story beats and what works for who, what characters and all that stuff. Yeah. Season T two, you're much more comfortable. You've kind of found a groove and then you, the numbers are up and you're like, all right, we got something here. And three is when everything kind of typically comes together for a show. So I think you're right. In regards to best video game adaptation ever, Listen, I'm in the tank for this thing from the get-go. So I'm going to say like 90% on that. I would be shocked if this is not good. I would really, if this is a bad series, I will be floored. Mm-hmm. Because of all the, the talent and all the people involved in it, I, I just, I think there's no way. I think it's like an absolute home run. So, yeah, there you go. Okay, so uh, next week, maybe a little preview here. Uh, Wakanda Forever comes out uh and, you know, we know that uh, the original Black Panther was nominated for a uh, Oscar um, in the Best Picture category. Angela Bassett's getting a lot of early buzz saying that she may be an Oscar contender for this in this uh, film. So my questions are twofold. What are the odds Angela Bassett in a much smaller category of five actors, even if it's, you know, supporting um, is nominated for an Oscar, and then what are the odds that if she is nominated, she wins? 
Wait, so let me reset. Did they limit supporting actor to just five regardless of sex or gender? Did they, just, did they get it? rid of... I, I, I only say that because with the caveat that Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture, but Beck's Picture was expanded to, to up to ten, whereas the acting categories are still only five. So like, Oh, I thought they like degendered. And you're just going to have five no, regardless if you're... Not that I'm okay. aware of. Maybe, I, don't, I don't know if they could have done that. I, don't, I will admit I'm not really keeping up with the Oscars, but... Uh, Neither am I. All right. So you're asking me what are the odds she gets nominated? Yeah. And then if she does, what are the odds she wins? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say... I'll go... I, I have no confidence. I, there's part of me that thinks this is going to be too, a big, messy mess of a film, and it's Things not up. really going to work. Okay. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully, I'm wrong. I mean, I Neymar Neymar looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, conceptually, I like the idea of the film. I think she, uh, at least in the trailer, when Bassett's talking about how they whisper that they've lost their protector, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, she's definitely just chewing up the, the the dialogue for sure. But so the odds will be nominated. I don't. I'll say twenty percent. Mm-hmm. I'm not confident. I maybe I'm. I think I'm too high there. Mm-hmm. Not a reflection on her. It's just that I think some of the stuff that's come out, some of the stuff that's coming out, mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to be an option. Even if she does get nominated, I'll drop that to like ten percent. Mm-hmm. I, I just not. I'm not confident on that. Sorry. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I think if it's supporting actor, I guess depending on what is coming out. I mean, I know we got some big movies coming out. I'll do a little bit better. I'll say 30% chance she gets nominated, but I think she has like an almost 0% chance she wins if she does. Yeah. Uh, I think I would give that a 1% chance just because I don't want to give it a 0% chance. That's kind of you. Yeah, I know. Matt, all right, let me ask you. I'm very excited about this. Okay. I tweeted it out. I'm thinking, speaking of comic book movies, could we finally get a legit good Superman sequel. Henry Cable's back, mm-hmm. Superman. Mm-hmm. He says it's just a beginning. James Gunn is now the head of creativity, basically, at mm-hmm. the DCU, right? Mm-hmm. And I think he gets it. I think he gets it. So, what are your thoughts? Does Gunn and partner revitalize the DCU, or or so? What are the odds that he revitalizes the DCU, or do they just kind of ramp stuff up? Try and then Discovery cashes out and we reboot everything all over again. And I mean internal management structure, not the films, mm-hmm. but you know who's running the ship like within six months to a year. Mm-hmm. I know it's got a two-year deal or four-year deal, four-year whatever deal. it is. Yeah, it's a four-year deal, yeah. Okay, so what are the odds Gunn writes the ship for the DCU? I, I'm going to say... It's a 30% chance. Ooh, um, that's low. Because here's the thing. Gun is very hit or miss, right? I think Super, I think you and I can both agree, is is an interesting film. But it's not necessarily a, an absolutely successful film. Guardians of the Galaxy, sure. the first one, is great. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 has its moments. It's not as good. Suicide Squad has its moments. It wasn't as it wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. But Peacemaker yeah. was a blast. I loved the Peacemaker show. So it's really what are you gonna get with Gun? I mean, out of those four things I just listed, two are middling to low, and 
two are really good, right? Three are maybe middling to low. Um, so just with the fact that this is Warner Brothers, I'm not confident, especially bringing in a bunch of new leadership, that they're going to be able to just kind of let this thing go and let somebody do their own thing. I just feel like somebody's going to start sticking their fingers in it at some way. And it really just depends on what gun we get. Um, do we get Peacemaker gun or do we get Super gun? So yeah. I, I don't know. I hope I hope I'm wrong, but I I, I think I DC has shown me nothing that gives me a, a a string of confidence that they can pull this off at this point. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, yeah, I guess in the end everything's fifty fifty, right? Like we say. I uh, I'm gonna say though I'm a little more uh, I'm a little more bullish, Matt. I'm gonna go sixty five percent that he writes the ship, and I think the one thing that would show me that we're ready to roll, particularly for Superman, my dream I think is Brad Bird. You, you hire him to direct the next Superman film. Mm-hmm. And I think that we are then off to the races. Okay. So I guess uh, since we're talking DC, um, I'll, I'll bring one up as well. So we know Cavill is back. And apparently Momoa has put uh, some feelers out there, put some pictures out there, profile changes that appears that he may be back in the fold as well. So what are the odds that we get the Snyder Justice League back together with the understanding that Aflac is not coming back. Well, maybe. And then Miller. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know at this yeah, point. At I this point, I, I don't know. But Miller is definitely out. So let's just throw Miller off to the side. But like Gadot, let's do, a, we'll do three. What's the, what's the, the, the odds? Of so Ray Fisher, I think is the one that you need to, that will not be there. Okay. I think because of everything that happened between him there, and particularly the studio. Sure. Now, granted, Gunn's in charge now with that stuff, right? Yeah. And so maybe there'll be some kind of, some kind of, um, um, the phrase I'm looking for. They'll work it out. Yeah. There'll be some kind of peace between them. Gunn will apologize or whatever the case may be. And then Fisher can come back as cyborg. Mm-hmm. I don't, I wouldn't short shift Ezra Miller either. You don't think so? He gets into some kind of rehab program, goes through some therapy, comes out and apologizes. I think they're good to go. Mm. I would not be shocked that they spent so much money on that film. And I and I think Machete, too, is in talks or at least on, on the table to direct Justice League 2. Okay. So I think that uh, I wouldn't count Miller out. I okay. wouldn't. I would. Yeah. He goes into therapy. You know, I guess some kind of suspended sentence or something. Who knows? Apologizes. But, you know, there's so many flashes. Just get rid of Barry Allen, bring in Wally West, you're good to go. That's true. That's true. I think Ray Fisher will be the toughest. But, yeah, and I would not be surprised if Affleck comes back in some capacity. (laughs) I I don't know. Yeah. But, or that's how you bring in Michael Keaton, since we're not going to see him Mm. in Batgirl now. That Mm. movie's never going to come out. Which is That's the one thing I'm probably most upset about that. Yeah. But... So what are the odds that the the uh, the Snyder, at least the members of that Just League, come back together? Yeah, I sh- the actors who play the, the the current actors come back. Oh, uh, you're talking specifically about the performers? Yes, yes. I mean, we'll get those characters back. Yes, I mean, there's okay. no way we're not getting those characters back. Are we getting those? Well, perform. I would I would say forty percent. Okay. I mean, you'll get Gadot. Yeah. And supposedly, uh, Momoa said. Or something. I saw something online. I didn't read it. That he's moving forward with his dream project at DC. Mm. I know. I don't know what that means, and if it's Aquaman related or not. I don't know. You know what? Gun changed his profile pick to Lobo. Could you have? I like. I don't even like Lobo, but I could see Momoa 
being Lobo. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I what did I say? Forty percent. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm. I think I'm being generous with that. But yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm with you. I'm pretty bearish on that sucker. I think. Uh, I think thirty five percent. I I think I I really think they jettison Miller. Uh, you know, bring in Wally West. They jettison Fisher, obviously. I think Aflac could be talked into coming back. I think he wants to do, you know, I think he really wants to do Batman Justice, and I think he wants people to like his Batman. So I think uh, he wants to give it another crack and get a, a, a proper go at it. So I don't know. I think some of them definitely come back, but I don't think we get them all back. Yeah, fair. All right, Matt. What are the odds Avatar 2 takes the box office crown from Avatar? 0.5%. I can I hate this movie already. I haven't seen I have seen the trailer. I didn't like Avatar. I don't see what the big deal of Avatar was at the time other than the fact that technical G wizness of it um which has yep. not held up, which we're not getting this time. So like I do not give a shit about this movie at all. I'm going to go and watch it and I'm going to hate watch it for you, the listener, but I cannot imagine this thing is going to do as much business as the first one did. I, I don't know what I will do. If it does, I will do something extreme. I don't know what that is, but I will <laughs> do something extreme if that happens. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. At least we don't, hopefully don't have to worry about it reigniting another wave of 3D films mm. like the last one did. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think it will. I just don't know if, first off, I think that we've lost some moviegoers forever. Mm. Some of the audience may never be coming back. Yeah. Not a large chunk, but a significant amount, perhaps. And, yeah, so I'm going to say, like, 10% chance. And, again, I'm being super generous, I think. But, no, I just don't think it's going to happen. Plus, you know, again, if you adjust for inflation, it's number 15, mm-hmm. right? So... Gone in the Wind is still the the granddaddy of them all when it comes to uh, box office performance adjusted for inflation. But I, I, yeah, I don't think so. I just don't think it's going to happen. Ah, freaking James Cameron, man! How can you produce something I love so much? Couple of stuff that I just don't want to watch. <laughs> it must it must be difficult to be you sometimes. It is. It is. It really is. It's a real real try. You know. I'm glad you're finally. <laughs> that um all right so i don't like biopics in fact i dare say that i almost hate them to the t um the best biopic i've ever seen is walk hard the dewey cox story whereas mm. the the weird al biopic from what i understand it's, go, it's a complete fabrication it is almost a parody in and of itself about a real person so what are the odds that considering how great i'm anticipating and fun this is gonna be that we get more biopics that are just complete fabrications of real people. I think it's a great way to go, and I, I but I don't think so. I think a lot of problems you're going to run into that is those people don't have that sense of humor, and they want to have their stories told in the nicest, brightest, or best light possible. Like the Queen film. Yeah. They had a heavy sensor control on that thing, and you didn't see a lot of the dark stuff that happened there. So... Yeah, no, I'd say like 15% that you'll see a big increase. Mm-hmm. No, maybe one or two people could run in, into that. Like say maybe Steve Martin does a biopic or something like that. You could see something like that. Will I don't Ferrell. know. 
I could see. Will Ferrell, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Maybe something on SNL might be a fun thing to do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but I wouldn't anticipate a big wave of, um, you know, I don't know the the life and times of uh, who's the guy that invented that invented the polio vaccine, Henry Salk. Yeah. As a uh, <laughs> the life and times, the wild times of Madame Curry. Madame Curry goes wild. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, as much as Yogi would... Berra, secret agent. Yeah, I just don't see. You know what? These are all million dollar ideas. We should be writing this shit down. <laughs> um. I yeah I agree with you. I, as much as I would love them for them to do it, because I'm sick to death of biopics. Yeah, I think it's probably like a five percent chance because I think everybody's too self serious, especially the ones that are still alive or have an estate that wants to protect their image, kind of thing. Although I'm secretly hoping and weird that we get some homage to Dewey Cox, just maybe a little thing like, you know, you don't want no part of this, Al. <laughs> You didn't buy drugs. Not once. <laughs> <laughs> I One of my favorite things about the Weird Al Yankovic movie is some of the casting decisions that I think look like. Um, so Evan Rachel Wood's playing Madonna, which is fine. Rain Wilson plays Dr. Demento, which, you know, makes sense to me. I think that's good. But then, like, I've, what else? So there's some other ones here. Jack Black is Wolfman Jack, which I think is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's the cameos that I'm most excited about. Conan O'Brien plays Andy Warhol. Nice. You are my Tecone, who I guess one of the, um, you know, one of, uh, Sandberg's guys is Pee Wee Herman. Akiva Schaefer, Alice Cooper, Dimitri Martin is Tiny Tim. I love Paul F. Tompkins as Gallagher, which I cannot <laughs> wait to see. Emo Phillips plays Salvador Dali. Yeah. So. It all yeah. has a very... Jack Black and Paul Rudd and Justin Long uh, playing the Beatles feel to me, you know. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think this is going to be fantastic. I hope it li- it lives up to what I built it up to in my mind. You and me both. Mm. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Good times, Matt. So um, I guess that's it. That's uh, what are the odds mm-hmm. for this week? Brought to you by the Kings of Draft, not Draft Kings. So don't go there. <laughs> But uh, in the meantime, Matt, uh, what are your thoughts, actually? Who would you, how, what percentages would you assign? Choose an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. What hilarious biopic would you like to see of some famous figure? That would be uh, a fun thing we could do at some point, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, what's coming up next week? Do you have the calendar open? Because yeah. you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, when I checked it this afternoon, it said Wakanda forever and weird. Does that still hold true? Yes. Okay. Because weird is a, uh, what is it? A Roku mm. original. All right. So all you got to do is download the Roku channel to your TV, yep. to your streaming device, and then boom, you can watch weird, the uh, Al Yankovic story. I'm excited. So, you are all set then. And of course, Wakanda Forever. Get to see Namor and his little ankle wings. I'm very excited to check that out. <laughs> In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. Help other people find the show. And I guess uh, that's it, Matt. So, everybody, take care of yourselves. Be safe. We love you very much. And we will see you soon. Chew, Toby, chew.